Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count, with Carl Truman and Todd Pruitt, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. of spin. My name is Todd Pruitt. I'm pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Harrisonburg, Virginia, and I'm joined as always by my friend and colleague Carl Truman of Grove City College. Carl, it's good to see you. Um, I, 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 Carl, I want you to acknowledge the fact that um, I am wearing a shirt with sleeves on it, it has a collar and buttons. It does. It's it's almost civilized. I, ah, I would okay. say, definite ah. step up. Well, all I can say is, you know, some things can't be unseen. That right, was my right. experience last time. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I a thought you'd bit like traumatic. that. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I have to say, we're recording on a on a Tuesday, so today I was I was in staff meetings most of the day, and so oh. I, I typically do not wear sleeveless T-shirts to those. <laughs> That's good to know. No, no so, matter no yeah. matter how often they ask me to, yeah. I I don't do that. You will never become a Chicago megachurch pastor, man. True. Not I, that I, I'm thinking of any specific form of Chicago <laughs> megachurch pastor. That's right. When I right. say that, who is, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, we we, we have to be careful. Yes. Um, so today we 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 want to delve into a a subject that is controversial, and it's controversial to the extent that there's just I think a lot of speculation, uh, a lot of unhelpful speculation, and beyond that, just a lot of unhelpful extra-biblical doctrines and beliefs that are attached to this subject. Um, And and the topic is is Satan and demons, or or the demonic. Uh, uh, I've seen already being advertised uh, quite uh, extensively an upcoming film with Russell Crowe. So, you know, no, uh, no lower tier actor, but top tier, um, you know, a level celebrity. And the title of the film is the Pope's exorcist. It is based on a genuine, um, exorcist out of the uh, Vatican who has, uh, supposedly performed many hundreds of exorcisms over the years. And now his, his life is going to be, I'm sure the film is, you know, quote, based on uh, on his life and some of his uh, uh, experiences performing exorcisms, and uh, of of course, you know, exorcism is something that I that I think probably some um, uh, Roman Catholics, particularly uh, certain Roman Catholics attached to um, higher levels of administration within the Church of Rome, might be a little embarrassed of. Others, um, n- not at all. Um, and and so the Roman Catholic Church has a whole uh, series of of practices in terms of um, performing uh, the, the the rite of exorcism. There's a formal Roman Catholic rite of exorcism. So you have that kind of component on one end of Christendom, and then of course something that uh, Americans would be very familiar with is the more charismatic uh, wing, and and how some of our charismatic neighbors think about. Um, demons and and satan and of course here i i mean you know kind of the 
you know, binding territorial spirits and, uh, uh, you know, identifying the demon of cancer and the demon of, you know, whatever, you know, the demon of, of bad clothing and, and poor taste or, or whatever, but sleeveless shirts, that, that sort of thing, you know, there but is demons, evil that is hard to explain in the sartorial realm without resort to some kind of extra supernatural thing. Right. Right. So there's, so there's uh controversy precisely because the fact that, um, Scripture actually doesn't give us um, a ton of information on either Satan or demons. Now, Scripture gives us enough that we affirm this reality of of of, of a personal um, uh, spirit of of evil, Satan. Uh, scripture gives us enough that we affirm uh, the reality of demons and their activity in the world. Um, but beyond that, other than giving some descriptions of uh, of exorcisms that, that that Jesus performed and uh, some other passages in scripture we're, we're not given a ton of of information and so therefore a lot of what we hear in a lot of churches concerning satan and demons really doesn't come directly from scripture but more from certain traditions um and even certain um superstitions as well um like you know quote unquote you know the demon of cancer or um, the Roman Catholic rite of exorcism, two very different uh, parts of the Christian uh, family, so to speak, but but all kind of arising out of extra biblical sources. Um, Carl, where you know where do we kind of first meet Satan in the scriptures? Where, where's where's our you know because you and I have both preached through this book of the Bible. Where yeah. do we first meet Satan, yeah, and how yeah. is he described? Well, some would say, of course, we first meet him in the garden, though right. the Genesis account doesn't make any specific identification right. between the snake and Satan. Right. Probably the most obvious uh, explicit reference to him is uh, in Job, the book of Job, yeah. when uh, uh, he appears in the council of uh, a god. It's a, it's a very mysterious scene, mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 the council in the throne room. And, there, and even there, commentators on Job, I remember when I preached through Job, my initial... Uh, my first sermons, I simply referred to him as the accuser, because I was not at that point convinced that the character there is the figure of Satan. By the time yeah. I'd finished all preaching through Job, I, towards the end, I actually said to the congregation, you know, I've revised my thinking mm -hmm. about the very first couple of chapters. I do think it is Satan yeah. at work there. But Job would be one of the places where we get uh, the most obvious reference to to uh to satan mm -hmm. much more reference to the demonic of course in in the new testament uh, right. uh as with a lot of things things seem to be fleshed out significantly in the new they're only present in a very shadowy form in the old right. testament so you know when you move to the satan of the temptations in the wilderness i think you are you're seeing something dramatically different to right. that which is even revealed in the book of job uh, right at that point and and it occurs to me in those Old Testament passages, obviously Genesis chapter three, Job chapter one. You know, Job being, uh, by some people's estimate, maybe the first book of the Bible written, possibly older than Genesis. That's all speculation. But the point is, we have these two ancient accounts, references that don't name him, so to speak, as Satan. But but it, it it's clearly. Uh, it seems to be rather clear that it's this is the same figure that is later more uh, explicitly identified in 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 the New Testament. In, and of course, there in in Genesis three, we have him uh, tempting 
uh, and, and again, there, there's very uh, there, there's very limited agency that he has in terms of actual power that he wields over anyone. He's you know what's he doing with the woman? He's tempting her. He's tempting her. Um, you know, lust of the eyes, et cetera. Um, and, and then what's he doing before the council of the almighty in terms of, jo- of, of Job? You know, he's accusing, he's using his, his words and making accusations. Um, but, but we don't see him um, exercising power that somehow um, undermines God's activity. Uh, it's certainly, he certainly opposes God's activity, but not to the extent that somehow humanity become pawns in this yeah. spiritual yeah. football match. Yeah, we're not dealing with, at no point does the Bible indicate that you've got the sort of the old idea of two gods, mm. a good God and an evil God, who are essentially engaged in a, a power struggle over who rules creation. Right. The the picture of, of Satan as a subordinate being, I think, is quite clear there. And if I, I, I'm persuaded that the Leviathan at the end of Job yes. is a Satan kind of figure, yep. and of course the whole point of the Leviathan is he's terrifying, he's incredibly powerful, Yes, but his power is strictly circumscribed by God, and that's you know again the sense one gets in the temptation of the wilderness, and I think mm-hmm. you, the one one has to be careful with that, of course, and say that that doesn't mean that his power isn't very strong and very terrifying. Right. I think you have the Book of Revelation when we hear you know, yes. uh, the devil has come among you having great wrath, yes. for he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Uh, yes, his time, his power is dramatically circumscribed, but that doesn't mean that he isn't very powerful uh, and very significant as a player in the world in which we find ourselves at this particular point in time. Right. And of course, that raises um, theological questions, because um, if, and and this certainly is, 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 is taught to us in Scripture, that Satan's power um, is is granted to him. It's a circumcised. <laughs> Did I say circumcised? Um, hopefully, a Freudian Mark. slip. A Freudian yeah, slip. Exactly. Exactly. You know, Mark. If Mark wants to edit that out, he can. But uh, th- th- this is power that's granted uh, to to him. And of course, I, I'm. This is a question I'm asked periodically as a pastor because people read those passages and they say, "Now hold it. How is it that God?" Um, grants a level of power to this you know evil being without himself becoming um an author of or a participant in that same evil it's a good question yeah yeah, yeah. well and i think it's 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 only a rather intense version of how does god relate to evil right. why right. you know satan is a creature he's an evil creature he has far more power than you or i mm-hmm. have but he's still a creature so right. the question of, of 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 how and why god grants this particularly powerful evil creature uh, the ability to use his power is merely a more intense version of a why does he allow human beings mm-hmm. uh, to commit evil and i think it's a problem that we can't solve by probing back to a cause. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm persuaded by uh, Henri Blochet's book. In, mm. in in Britain, the title is The Evil and the Cross of Christ. I think it's Evil and the Cross of Christ. I think in America it comes under a different title. Yes. But he essentially calls upon the reader to reorient his thinking about evil and the power, and it's to look to the cross and say, yes. we the Bible does not reveal 
the origins of this in right. any great detail. The Bible does not care to give us a, a strong metaphysical account of how a good God can operate uh, with a universe where evil is allowed such power and such freedom. But the Bible does show us that on the cross of Christ, uh, even the most powerful act of the evil one is not only uh, overcome, but profoundly subverted yeah. through through Christ's action on the cross. So I, when, when students ask me, you know, where does evil come from? How is it that God has... The answer, somewhat unsatisfying, has to be, we don't know. Right. But we do know how the story ends. The cross is the in-breaking of God's power that demonstrates that even death itself, the most destructive force on the face of the planet, even death itself, has been tamed and corralled by God mm -hmm. on the cross. And I think the same applies not just to the devil, but the same applies to, to all of us to the extent that mm -hmm. we are evil. Uh, evil actions operate, can only take place within the sphere that God allows them to take place within. And ultimately, he will have the final say. Mm -hmm. And to a degree, you know, these unanswered questions we have, uh, the, the Bible's comfortable with certain things being mysterious to us. God, yeah. God is comfortable with, with not telling us everything that he could tell us. Now, what he does tell us, and you've already alluded to this, is that uh, we do have an enemy. There is real power in the hands of this enemy, real influence, way things that can can bring harm to us, certainly uh, through things like uh, temptation, um, seduction, accusation, these kinds of things, to the extent that uh, you know the apostle Peter would would compare um our enemy, the devil to to a lion uh, who roars. that's a that's a frightening type of 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 image. and and so, uh, this is not uh, a being we're to we're to trifle with or to take unseriously, and yet at the same time, uh, he is one who is corralled, um, as you say. He is. Uh, I, I heard somebody else say, you know, that that Satan is a dog on a leash. Um, he barks. He can bite, uh, but ultimately, he's under the ultimate sway of God's sovereign rule, just like all of us are. Mm. Um, you know, in in the Gospels, and you've you've mentioned Jesus's temptation. Here's where we where we really kind of meet Satan in, in the most directly identified way. Um, and what does he do? You know, he, he tempts the Lord Jesus. We, I, I think we can rightly conclude um, that, that Jesus faced greater, more intense uh, temptation from without. Uh, that is temptation coming to him from an outside source. Je you know, Jesus was not tempted by sinful desires because he didn't have sinful desires, but he certainly experienced um, intense uh, temptation bombarding him, I would imagine, more than any human that's ever walked the earth. And we get just a glimpse of that um, in, in the wilderness temptation, though I would suspect that temptation never abated during his life. Um, and, and even there, you know, what is Satan doing? He's, he's accusing, he's lying, he's offering Jesus kingdoms that ultimately don't even belong to him to give away. But Satan's a liar, so he'll do that. And and. I think it's very instructive how how Jesus deals with those temptations because in a way it's very very unspectacular isn't it C compared to to so much yeah. of the, the the contemporary sort of you know ways that 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 uh that certain Christians and groups within Christianity uh tend to to deal uh, with Satan and demons and address them Jesus's approach to to Satan directly um uh was was in terms of what we see today, really unspectacular, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, he quotes the Bible, essentially, right. particularly the book of Deuteronomy, the uh, yeah. the book of the covenant. So, yeah, but it's a very straightforward uh, response. There are no bells and whistles. Right, um, right. So, but, you know, on, you know, on one hand, I, I think all Christians listening to this would say, yeah, we agree. Mm. There is a personal devil. He has great power. Uh, the way to respond to him is, you know, what we would say, the ordinary means of grace, for mm -hmm. want of a better term. What about demon possession? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. How do we think about the activity of of the demonic realm today? And I'm conscious here that, in some sense, and I and I think it's not an insignificant difference. I, I'm aware that you know, my wife and I differ a bit over this, mm -hmm. and I think. Well, she's Scottish. She's Scottish, which is not incidental. She's also comes from. I, we both grew up in rural areas of our yeah. respective countries, but she comes from a very rural area. Yeah. And yeah, you know, when you chat to, uh, say, Christian friends from Africa, for example, or even a place like Haiti, yeah, uh, the openness or perhaps you know the sensitivity to the tangible reality of mm -hmm. the demonic is there in a way that. I don't experience it in my own life, and right. and what I, part of the one things I want to be careful of is I don't want to make my, for want of a better sort of phrase, my somewhat rationalist, mm -hmm. Western, uh, kind of tilting towards the urban norms, yeah. the the limits of of, of spiritual reality, mm -hmm. and as I said, particularly when chatting, not no. My wife's in the West Islands of Scotland, but particularly when you chat to, to brothers and sisters from, from sub-Saharan Africa, they can have some amazing stories right. about things they've seen or been involved in. And, and they're not crazy people, nor no. are they making money out of these stories. Right. You know, uh, it, it's an interesting phenomenon mm -hmm. that the demonic seems very real to them in a way that intuitively it doesn't seem so real to me. Right. And and How do you pause that kind of stuff. So, so the way I because I've thought about this and 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 I've heard I've heard Western missionaries who serve in places like the global south, um, much less quote sophisticated types of cultures than uh, you have in uh, places like Philadelphia and New York and Los Angeles, et cetera. Um, is that um, Satan is happy to hide within re Western rationality? Um, and be deceptive that way, uh, just as he is happy to be more um, uh, clear in his presence in places uh, like Sub-Saharan Africa or parts of Latin America or Haiti or that or that type of thing. Um, uh, you know what's the old saying? You know the greatest trick Satan ever played was convincing people that he didn't exist, and there seems to be um, at least in uh, the modern West, um, some, uh, some weight to, to that statement, you know, Carl, one, uh, contemporary systematic theologian whose work you and I have both appreciated. Um, and he's, he's a fine systematic theologian, um, who is, uh, uh, very free in his talk about the influence of Satan and the demonic is Douglas Kelly. Mm. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's a, you know, kind of classic Southern gentleman, uh, yeah. reformed, um, systematic theologian and, uh, you know, Douglas Kelly's students. And, and I've heard Douglas Kelly lecture and preach and lead prayer meetings. Um, 
uh, he he talks about Satan and the demonic uh, in ways that oftentimes you do not hear in a lot yeah. of oh, he'll, he'll talk about cultures. the demonic in physically present terms. Oh yeah, I, I've heard him do that. Of course, he's very influenced by the Scottish Highland tradition. Yes, you yes, know, there is that kind of mystical Presbyterian <laughs> tradition, right. yeah. uh, which he is very proud to be uh, to, to to draw mm-hmm. water from mm-hmm. in many ways. But and, and I have to tell you, yeah, I have to tell you when I've when I've heard him speak about some of those experiences um it's been really helpful for me yeah uh because again my where i'm gonna err on this yeah. will be to slip too much into the kind of strictly rationalistic way and i have to keep reminding myself no this is this is real and 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 honestly when i and it's been it's been through my um, involvement in pastoral ministry for years in dealing with people whose whose circumstances in life, and again, a lot of this is intuitive. I understand that, but whose circumstances in life, um, I'm not able to just strictly chalk up to um, 100% rationalistic um, explanations. Um, I know what it is to sit with someone who um, uh, who is whose soul is so so obviously harassed. And uh, to the point where where they feel very physical, visceral um, reactions and and harassment of the evil one that I've I've been in certain circumstances where where I take them very literally. I, I've I learned in certain circumstances take them very literally at their word, and in other circumstances I've felt like the person I'm talking to is dealing with a, a mental illness, and I and 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 there is a difference in those two things, but. Um, uh, again, some of this is just experiential and, and intuitive. There are times where I've I've experienced things with people who are suffering certain things that I I, I am comfortable, if that's a good word, chalking up to to a demonic type of harassment. Yeah, I think of one particular just just one moment in my my astral life when uh, I was talking to somebody and they looked down. And when they looked back up, it was as if I was looking into the face of a different person. Yes. Something that was just a real tangible darkness. And it, yes. it lasted for maybe 30 seconds. And then yeah. it passed away. And it was, it was, wow, something strange is happening here. Mm-hmm. That I don't have the categories to address. And we were, you know, it was getting quite confrontational mm-hmm. in this discussion. Um, and again, I'm I'm not somebody who wants to to see it find a demon under every no. cushion on every sofa, and I'm certainly somebody who wants, you know, very wary of of blaming my sin or the sin of other yes. people on a third party. I think right. it's very important that human beings take responsibility for their own actions. Mm-hmm. On the other hand. There are moments, uh, I think, in cultures and moments in individual lives where the evil and the evil insanity that's being dealt with uh, has to have a profoundly supernatural origin. Right. Whether that's a demon, whether that's uh, Satan himself, yeah. I mean, it's not revealed to us. But I do think it behooves us to remember that the struggle we are engaged in is not a natural struggle. Yes. It isn't just the sinfulness of the human heart. Right. There are forces in play for whom the sinfulness of the human heart is a great opportunity for wreaking havoc uh, in uh, in the created realm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and this is where, where, you know, Christians need to be careful in how they think, because, uh, you know, we have examples in, in the gospels where, where Jesus confronts the demonic, you know, casts out demons. Um, we have the gathering demoniac who is, um, so possessed of demons that he's, he's kind of out of his mind and acting in some ways, almost, almost puppet-like. And yet even in, in scripture, um, you know, those are very, very exceptional moments. Those are not the norm. Yeah. Uh, and, and I say that to say, because you and I both know um, there are, are very popular uh, movements within Christianity that tend to attribute every sinful act to some kind of controlling power of Satan. And, and we would want to say, okay, Satan's involved, the demonic's involved in terms of temptation and deception, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. But but the ordinary reason why the vast majority of people make sinful choices is is because they are deciding to to act on those yeah. temptations. They are not. They don't become uh, a marionettes in the hands of of a, of a of a spiritual evil force. Yeah, I mean the 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 the, the excuse I was only obeying orders right. does not hold up legally. Right, uh, and I don't think it should hold up uh, in, in the Christian world either. Yes, there are ideas put into it. Some of those rise from within us. Some may be whispered into our ear by by another person, yeah, yeah, another evil entity. Mm-hmm. But whether we act upon them or not is is ultimately our own choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and I, been... well, I, I would say I would say one other thing, just in terms of 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 caring for people who are concerned about uh, the the influence of the demonic you know I, I think I think we would want to say first of all you're right to be concerned when 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 an apostle of the Lord Jesus says your enemy is 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 a roaming lion when Jesus himself in John chapter 10 says the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy um this is not something to 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 trifle with we need to take him seriously and yet to realize uh to to take Jesus's approach which is one of of appealing to God's word. Um, th- that's you know our our primary you know toolbox for addressing uh, the temptations and the deceptions of the evil one are, are are those ordinary blessed means that God has given us, beginning with with His word. And if this is a concern for you. Um, then saturate yourself in God's word. Take advantage of the fellowship of God's people and the encouragement you can have for, from that. Have people pray with and and for you. You you, you know the 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 idea of some sort of a spectacular showdown with Satan or a particular demon um, is is probably not something that you need to a- appeal to. And I'm not saying that there's no such thing as demon possession today, but for the vast majority of Christians. Um, what we need to do is respond the way Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness um, by, by going to his word and um, and also the, the benefits we have as as part of the Lord's church. Yeah. yeah. So, well, well, it's a difficult subject. Uh, if you're interested in learning some more about it, uh, Todd and I were talking before the program and he would strongly recommend a book by Graham Cole entitled Against the Darkness, the Doctrine of Angels, Satan, and Demons, which is part of Crossway's wonderful Foundations of Evangelical Theology series. And if you visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, you can enter for a chance to win a copy of Dr. Cole's uh, monograph. Uh, If you're not fortunate enough to win, then please uh, make sure that you get hold of a copy either through your local uh, library 
or by purchasing one yourself. In the meantime, all that remains is for us to thank you for spending uh, some time with us today. And we look forward to being with you all in a couple of weeks' time. Say that your kingdom must come down. Say that your kingdom must come down. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. For more on topics like this, visit mortificationofspin.org, where you can find other articles by Carl and Todd, browse the archive of past episodes, and make a donation. We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin. Mortification of Spin.